What's that I hear? <gasps> That'd be the Z train. Mark Zona on this week's. I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. It is Wednesday, so I guess we are doing this again. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks, and all my humpers that tune in week after week to Mercer, the awkwardly honest fishing podcast. Happy hump day, happy Wednesday, not just hump day. Thankful for all my humpers that come back week after week, but it is also Global Kinetic Sand Day. It is National Sons and Daughters Day, National Presidential Joke Day, and National Raspberry Bombay Day. So no matter what you celebrate, we thank you for coming here to this podcast and spending hump day with us. But on this show, we don't have a lot of rules. The first rule and the probably only rule is our guests do the talking so without further ado, let's bring in our guest. And this one is a big one. This is our first repeat guest we've had on this show ever. And with good reason, because um, not only is he one of my best friends on earth, but I think he's one of the most talented people in the entire fishing industry. I think we are lucky to have him in the fishing industry because I think he could have commentated on any sport out there. And, and I would tune in. I mean, that's how entertaining and how talented he is. But an amazing friend, an amazing guy to work with, and a guy that has opened up amazing opportunities in my life personally. He's just awesome. And he is the host of Zona's Awesome Fishing Show. Without further ado, let's go all the way to Sturgis, Michigan, and join him with Mark Zona. We are joining the Z-Train live in beautiful Michigan. And yes. not just the Z-Train, we got a twofer this morning. Zach decided to jump in. He got sick of just podcasts with me only, and, and he likes trending. And it's that time of year, Dave. It's Zach's time of year. Boys go back to school, and uh, it, it's it's when he tends to – and not only that, he's a big old boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Boy, is he ever. Yes, is he, he ever. is. The, the boys club there at the house. It, it, That's it's, right. I mean, how Karen must just want to get away. Well, you it's know, all men it, all the time. It, it, sort of, yeah. And the other side is like the boys. Uh, the boys leave. They fish the Bass Pro Open on St. Clair next week. And trust me, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they will be back at MSU within 45 minutes of that weigh-in uh, next weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> is that the hardest thing to go through? Because, because I, I mean, obviously, I haven't gone through it with my kids, but I just look at people like yourself going through it and everybody wants to congratulate you and say, Oh, congrats. Your kid's gone to college and whatever. But as a parent, you must want to just crumble and say, Hey, I want them to be the little monsters that they once were. Gosh, remember that when we all got, you know, like when we all had like little monsters and it's just <laughs> not, that's not. I, 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 when they first went to, to college, um, that was traumatizing. But now that it's at the end of it, they they graduate, uh, they get their bachelor's in in December, and they've basically been doing internships all summer. So they wake up at five in the morning and work till five. It, there there's a weird there there's a weird sadness, and it's all it's, it's bittersweet because you're also like, wow, you know, dang man, you're going to, to start your life. Um, you know, are they going to end up here? I, no, I think they're going to end up in different parts of the country which I think will be a little bit traumatizing for them because Hunter has been Jacob's chauffeur since they were 16 years old. 
so so Jacob actually has to um, do the motion of driving himself to areas to places. So, but it's it's a it's a it's a great time. I'm very very happy and proud uh, of them both. But it's at the, our house is very like when they leave. It's very very quiet. You've been around me, Dave. When I don't work, I don't I don't talk a lot. I, I don't. I. I I actually, I'm a, I'm a silent human being. Um, so it just, it gets very, very quiet around the house, you know, when, when they take off. Is that difference, and, and we're about to get real deep here, that difference in you, is that needed? I mean, when you're Mark Zona, you run at such a high level. If you're in an event, man, you, uh, I mean, I watch the pressure on you. Is, is that needed, that, that shutdown time? I think it is for all of us. You, I mean, Dave, listen, you, you and I have taught, you go through a, a, a massive, it is such a, what, what you do for a living at, at a Bassmaster tournament, it, it, it is, you have to be on 10 every single second. And then all of a sudden there's this uh, uh, emotional decompression to where you're, you just, you, it, it's, it's popping a balloon where you're like, boom. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's very, very neat. And I think, I actually think it's very normal for anybody that just, you know, runs their mouth is very high energy, whether you're taping a fishing show or you're, you're, you're covering an event or emceeing an event, there, there's a decompression. And, and for me, at least that decompression is, when, you know, right when we ended the season a couple weeks ago, after Seth won Angler of the Year, great tournament, New York, blah, blah, blah. That was one of the best events. And then all of a sudden there's this. Yeah. Where you almost, it's weird. It's a, whenever you, I talked about this on Bassmaster Live. It, cover, fishing in these tournaments for these guys is very, very, very emotional. But it's also very emotional for us. Yeah. To, you, you look back on the year and whether it was how weird last year was and, and a little bit of how weird this year was, there's always, for me at least, there's always been an emotional, wow, we just wrapped up another year of the Bassmasters. That's a, that's a pretty um, sp- spiritual thing to say and do. Um, but but then you 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 have to click them you you do you click the machine back on and start facts of fishing or zona show or whatever or, or you know as much podcasts as you do so you got to turn it right back on <laughs> you know so but like literally when I don't do this I I don't I don't talk a lot <laughs> well I, I mean that's I think that's understandable I, but I think it's the weirdest thing I always say when when people meet you. Or when they meet anybody that that talks for a living, they're expecting to see that. You know what I mean? I think that's why comedians go crazy. I mean, because literally, if I said to you, hey, I mean, bad example, because he's deceased, but Eddie Van Halen is going to come over for dinner. You'd be like, wow, that's going to be cool to meet Eddie Van Halen. And you might think maybe he'll play a song and that'd be cool. But if I said you're going to meet and we'll stick with bad analogies, Robin Williams, um, Oh, you're, you're like, wow, this is really going to be a hilarious right dinner. And if it's not, you're kind of let down. Do you feel a pressure around people to be no, Mark I just, Zona? I genuinely think people think I'm an ass when they meet me. 
you, you know, so, somebody in this industry that I'm, and I've talked to you about this, that I am always in awe of, of he always makes you feel like a million bucks. And, and that is because he's always on point. I, and, and I look up to him and that's Bill Dance. It doesn't matter yeah. if he's shooting a show. It doesn't matter if you're out to lunch with that guy. He always, he always makes you feel very welcome and he's very open and, and accepting. And Dave, you've hung around me, man. When we get done working, I hide in a, I hide in a room. I hide in a closet <laughs> until it's time to come out of it. And you have shredded me to my face and to others about that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, it's very frustrating at times, you know? Well, I've always told Tommy. I mean, I want a little bit of the zoning that everybody else gets. You are, you love the event. It does not matter what event it is. Dave, there could be a live auction where somebody auctioned off a fork. You'd be all in. You'd buy it. You would buy the fork. You're that, and I and I respect the heck out of that. But you know, for what we do for a living, the way at least that I'm able to still handle it is I have to unplug just just for a little bit. So that's it. Blah blah blah. One of the cool things that 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 I loved, uh, I mean, I mean, you had a pretty incredible week last week, I imagine shooting. Um, but 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 to spend that time with Seth so soon after he won Angler of the Year, T tell me about last week. Wow. It was, uh, we wanted to go. It's an area that I of all things, <laughs> I invited Seth to fish somewhere in Minnesota. How weird is that? <laughs> but we, we went, we went to an area that, that, uh, that he had not fished. I had taped two years ago there and it was, it was more of a man. Let's go, let's go set the hook as much as we can look man it, it it was a usual zona show where it was hook sets and a whole bunch of nothingness but it, it was kind of uh, it, it it was surreal because what's funny is when i was i was talking with seth while, while we were you know when we do the little interview part of the show and i said it has not even remotely set in what you've done has it he's like no no, it, it hasn't. And you could tell that, you know, the other thing about Seth is, is I taped with that dude years ago, Dave, you remember when he couldn't scratch two nickels together and, and you sort of wondered, you know, you and I talked about this. It was the, the Mississippi river tournament into when he won the angler of the year at, at Mill Um, and but there was something about him that was just what you see is what you get. He yeah. may not behave the way you see other pros behave. He may not. Here's what I tell Well, what I will tell you. He, he is that dude is real. He may not tell you what you want to hear, but it's going to be straight up. It's no BS. There's no, Hey, there's this Seth. And then there's this Seth. It is this Seth. Love him, hate him, whatever it is. And I, and I have a lot of respect for that. The other side of last week of hanging with him, that dude is a true success story in what we do, in what all of your, your listeners and viewers follow. He is that, he is that guy from, from your weekend club from 10 yeah. years ago, right? He's that dude. 
um, that made it. And, and to see how he made it, what he went through is, um, it, 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 it's a, it's a darn good story. And, and, and here's the, the, you know, I've, I've said this in certain victories, uh, wins on the elite series, good guys win, good guys win. Um, and, and he's one of them. He really is. And, and to me, and not to diminish Clark Wendlitz angler of the year last year, uh, Scott Canterbury before that, but Seth is, like you said, one of those guys, but it's also because you've seen Seth get so low to the point that you thought it was, I mean, we all thought it was over, but to see him succeed and literally he succeeds for one reason, because he's himself, like you said, because he's real. And if you look at him and that last event and Takumi Ito, another prime example of that, he is successful. Like everybody, when they take the lead in a Bassmaster Elite Series event for the first time, looks at the scale and says, I'm number one. Like, that's what they say in their head. Right. But the macho machismo in them won't allow them, so they have to act all cool. Takumi just puts it out there. Is the most important thing of today's Bass Pro. Just be your freaking self. I think it's always been that way. I, I really do. I think it's always been that way. Um, you know, and what's weird is every, from every event, somebody that wins an event to um, titles to Bassmaster Classics or Angler of the Years, they, they're all very, very special in their own weird way. Um, because they're all, they, they've all been, of all the ones that we've covered together, they've all been so drastically different. Um, but, but what's, you know, what's funny. One, one thing that happened last week, this has nothing to do with what we're saying, but we were taping and we got off the water and we were going to have dinner and have a cold one. And Seth got a text from Rick Klun. And it was one of those, I mean, typical cryptic Rick Klun thoughts. <laughs> and and it, it was so awesome to watch Seth's reaction to getting a text from Rick Klun of congratulations on, on an accomplishment that very few people, if you really think about it in, in the, the as small or as yeah. short as the history of bass fishing is to, you could see the reaction. You could see what that, that Seth is still a fan of this as much as he is a bass master superstar. I mean, Seth, Seth is the face of Bassmaster. Uh, he he truly is. He's he's a working dude that we all we all hang around or have hung around a Seth fighter in our lifetime. And if you haven't, you have missed a time. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, true, very true, very true. You brought him up. Talk to me about Clun. I mean, because Clun to me is one of the most, and I totally get where you're coming from with the the cryptic text but it's almost like if rick just sent you a normal text and a normal voicemail you'd be a little bit let down but but he is more amazing to me today than he was even a few years ago yes. and and it's not because he won those last few tournaments it, it's literally because of everything i've seen him and and he really is a special person not just to our sport from the victories and the history standpoint but for what he's doing for all the pros on the elite series now that, to me, I think that's the the probably the most impressive because you see him, you see him. I, I, you, the word mentor, mentor is a, a, a it's not a proper term, 
but you see how Rick holds himself the history that look, man, it, what's funny is whenever I, I sit down and, and talk with Rick, we talk about tournaments that were televised from the eighties, you know, the early eighties to the mid eighties to all the way to now. And, and, and Rick, what's, what's very bizarre is Rick is, I, 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 this is strange. Rick is a little, a lot like Seth. Rick will tell you what he's thinking, whether you like what he's thinking. Rick told me, this is no joke. We were at a, we were at a, at a function, a Bass Pro Shops function. And he said, <laughs> man, I, I truly hated you when you started television. I said, Rick, where are we at now? He's not, he said, not much better, not much better. <laughs> and what was funny was, what was funny was he said, I remember the one day you were really mad at me and hated me. And he goes, do you know what day that was? I said, yeah, because I talked to you, Dave, after the tournament, it was a tournament we covered at the Alabama river and Rick lost a big one in the last 30 minutes, a, a critical fish to his year, not to the event, to his year, seven pounder on a frog. And we had to do, it was one of those, you know, bass strategy DVDs or whatever. Like we would have to interview these anglers 37 seconds after they got off the water. Horrible timing, horrible idea, horrible planning. And I said, Rick, can, can we, can we have 20 minutes? And he looked at me. He's like, really, I, I don't want to talk to you. And I, I want you to get away from me. I was like, not a problem, coach. Don't worry. Right? <laughs> and you look back, but here's the thing. I said, Rick, that was the day. And he goes, that was the day. But What's, what's, what's been cool about Rick is, and I think you can relate to this, Dave, when I first started 20 years ago, you're terrified of him. You're terrified yeah. to walk up to him. What I, I remember certain things that he has said to you through the years. The dude actually has one of the best sarcastic sense of humors I've ever been around. Because here's the thing, when, it, when he says something, it goes by you and you grab it, you're like, Oh, he just shredded me. And I didn't even know he was doing that. <laughs> oh, he very quick witted. I mean, one day at takeoff, I mean, and it'll happen every once in a while. An angler's boat will rub against the dock. You know, there's a lot of hoopla and everything going yes. on. So Rick smokes the dock and and I make some sarcastic, you know, oh, rubbing his race and even Rick Clun, whatever I said. I don't know what I said. And he looked up at me stone faced and he's like, Don't, don't get mistaken. I did not hit the dock. I missed you. <laughs> so that's so Rick. That is so him. I, 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 at that same dinner we were at, a, a, you know, last year, I said, I said, Rick, I feel like we're coming together. We're getting close. And I feel like we're starting to turn into best friends. And he's like, I, I don't see it that way actually at all. And like, I was waiting for the laugh, right? I was waiting for the, and there was nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he never laughed when he missed me too but uh he he is an amazing individual and um and i guess that, i mean to me that that's that's the thing i guess that has shocked me so much over the last number of years is i think i almost fell into a trap of like these are the amazing individuals and you know you know what even even after you know the sport did the split like i, I looked and i'm like well we've got rick we've got these guys but it's just nonstop. All these stories keep rising up through the elite series. Like, I mean, how different is your job today versus five years ago? And I, and I, you know, just as far as to me, I'll be honest, I find it 
in some ways more rewarding because I'm learning about people like, you know, new, new faces. And, and, and it's that genuine, like that excitement around their families and everything. It, it, it's it, it. And I think you could relate to this and, and a lot of the viewers, because it, it, uh, it was a, it was a split that I think is one of the best things that has happened yeah. to Bassmaster in the history when 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 this is 20 years from now, I think that 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 split will end up being one of the best things that has happened to that organization and really giving new blood um, a, a chance. You know, there was a lot of guys that that just whether they were not going to recall, whatever it is, it, it, it's been it's been good. It's been bad. It's been bad, but I also think it's been very good. Look, there's a lot of guys that have excelled in in the major league fishing format. Let's face it, that did not do good when they fished the Bassmaster Elite Series, and vice versa. Yeah. There's you know there there there's some that it, and I think to to me that's been a very interesting part of that. But from from what we do on on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Man, really for the last three years, the last three years have been the most fun I, I have had. And I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I will because we've talked about it. I think it's been some of the most fun covering uh, and watching a lot of these guys grow into absolute freak monsters on the water. And, and no matter you, you see a Taku Ito, what, what happened at the St. Lawrence He's happy go lucky and you can't you cannot help but root for a guy like that. That dude on the water is there to take your lunch. And, and that's that's what I've enjoyed probably most about it. Yeah, and and I mean that dude there is to me is an amazing what he did, and I know you feel the same way, to do what he did in that particular event. And he hadn't caught a smallmouth a year before. It, it amazes me, but it also when you look at his work ethic, it doesn't amaze me. I mean, while it's what the season ended almost a month ago now, Went and to. everybody's gone on vacations, everybody's yes. gone hunting, everybody's gone to do different things. Takumi Ito is still here pre-fishing for next season. I mean, his the drive and the amount of hours he spends on the water to play catch up, I guess, is amazing. One of the things, and and this comes more from the the watching Bassmaster, like you're a smallmouth nutbag tons of your viewers are small mouth freaks is I was watching and I was looking through photo galleries from that event. And I was also watching him pull stuff out. Look, Taku Ito is also, he's quite secretive about exactly what he's throwing and using. And we were done. We were done with that event and it was stuck in my head. I, I, I went to the studio for that. We, we were driving home and I said, and I texted him, Taku, I'd like some of the, I'd like some of the liquid that you are marinating your lures in. And he said, well, you can't get it. It's only from Japan. So it is not able to come to you, Mark Zona. And I said, no, I, I, I'd, I'd like you to bring me some of that, that secret sauce. <laughs> see, he said he would. My vibe is I'll never, ever see that. He did tell me, he has many smallmouth secrets uh, that other people do not know. So that's what he told me. Yes. Many. There are reasons. There are reasons. There are 105 pounders under his boat. 
is what uh, that. And here's the thing. I'm starting to believe him. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, at the beginning of the week when he started to talk, I can talk to Smomo. I was like, yeah, whatever. But then after what he did, right. I mean, one of the most awkward things that I mean you've experienced this you get to see this but one of the most awkward things that nobody sees is obviously uh I'm pretty tight with Corey you know I've known him his whole life right. while Takumi's on top of the world um dude it was it's things that I only get to see and I'm I'm yelling crap about Takumi winning and they have their you know their handshake hug on the stage and the side of our stage is mesh and as I'm yelling this stuff about Takumi, Takumi, I'm watching Corey Johnston kick stones all by himself up the road. On the, it, it, I mean, it's such a heartless sport. But, but then I reminded Corey when we talked afterwards, I mean, you've made a lot of dudes kick stones up the road yes. <laughs> over your life. Right. And, you know, I, Corey, and obviously with, with Gussie and Chris winning one and, 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 you, and we have fun with, with Corey, you know, the, the best Canadian to never win an elite series tournament is he, he, Corey wants it. You know, this man, Corey wants it so badly right now. And I get it. I get it. And I, I said this, I, I, I don't know what we were doing together, but I made this comment. I, I think you will in some way, shape or form. If, 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 when it, when it happens with Corey, I think it's going to happen in a in bunches. Does that make you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, Corey and Chris are a lot like Seth. People just think smallmouth, 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 smallmouth. Those th those three dudes are three of the best largemouth fishermen on the Elite Series. From growing up on a lot of the lakes that you fish, a lot of the grass lakes in the north. Um, you know, Corey. Corey just wants it. And especially, I, you know, he wanted it there. He wanted it at the St. Lawrence. Um, it, it'll, it'll happen for him that he's a, him and his brother, they're a, they're a weird, weird freak of nature team yeah. team that have made that team work. Uh, be, to me, that's one of the most impressive because I think they're two of the, the best strategy slash game planners that I have ever covered to be able to do it together. The, it, what they do is amazing. And, and I honestly, I, I did a, a different interview yesterday and I, and I honestly do believe, I think there's more teams on the elite series today and they're part of the reason for it. You know what I mean? You, I, yes. I it's just, I'm hearing more of Lee Livesey and Caleb Sumrall and all these different, you know, two anglers that are working together here. And I think that, you know, those guys and a few others are one of the major reasons for it. Um, but team sports, have you been watching much of the Olympics? It just wrapped up. You watched. Any I have Z? watched. I watched one. Uh, I watched one uh, gals volleyball game and that's all I watched. That's all I <laughs> Shocker. watched. Just being honest. <laughs> right. That's all I watched. Um, do you think that bass fishing will ever be in the Olympics? It always gets floated around. And I always said never because my theory was how could it be? I mean, we only have bass in certain places, but I mean, they have surfing in the Olympics and you only have surfing in surf certain places. So who knows? Uh, well, yeah, you know, but we also live, we also live in our, in our blinders of bass fishing world. You know, it, uh, I, it's weird. I was thinking about this with Seth. Dave, and you have, we've grown up 
chasing multi-species. Somebody like Seth, he will not cast for another fish besides a bass. But outside of our country is, you know, carp fishing is like one yeah. of the biggest. It's like soccer. You and I do not watch soccer. Yet the rest of the world, we think the rest of the world loves bass fishing. When the real truth is there are fish, freshwater fish that are so much more popular outside of the U.S. or, or Canada or Mexico to where could I see something like that? A hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Do you think bass fishing fans would be madder that there is no fishing in the Olympics or that there would be carp fishing in the Olympics? <laughs> you know what bass fishermen think. That's the only, it's the only fish that's, I mean, I hate to say it. I like fishing for other stuff, but bass are the only thing that exists. Um, yes, I would say the majority of our, our viewers, especially from, you know, Northern Alabama, <laughs> hell, it ain't nothing but a bass, boy. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Z, uh, I've said it publicly a ton of times. Um, you have been one of the biggest inspirations and biggest friends and helpers in my life. That, that w without you, I'm not, uh, I don't have half these jobs or, it, it, you know, I can't thank you enough. But one of the things that I do appreciate about you is your work ethic and and how hard you work. But But the other thing is you have a lot of, celebrity type friends and so i wanted to ask you is there something you and you look at all the different super successful people whether it be through nascar whether you know it be through announcing whatever genre you want to look at because you are a multifaceted guy that knows a lot of people i mean you were in bait shop we'll, we'll talk about that another time. amen <laughs> what what do success is there a trend that you find amongst all your what you consider successful friends is there something that they all hold in common. Absolutely. Um, and it's something, it's something that, you know, I, 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 I passed on or hopefully in some way, shape or form passed on to, to Hunter and Jacob. And it, 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 uh, it is just be, it's what I always said to them through their teenage years, be relentless, be relentless. When, when you're down and beat and dragging, just keep going. Just keep going. Dave, we 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 talk about this together. You get going 9,000 miles an hour. And, and whether it's no, no matter what you do for a living and, and what I've noticed, one of the common traits of very, very, very successful people is I've always been amazed that there's not a shutoff valve there. It's just yeah. even when you're at your your you have nothing left in the tank and we've talked about it to that there is a there's an energy and emotional tank of gas for a year in in every one of us and we all come out of the gates firing in january and it's all good to go you have to some way shape or form have that same tank of gas emotionally and physically in august in september in october and i've noticed you know especially a lot of the the, the football players that I've got to meet is that dude, they'll take off about 10 to 14 days a year and the rest of the time is honing their craft. And, and if there's, it's weird, we're talking about this because it, you know, this, it's something I actually, I think about this a lot. What, what is the, what is the common trait of success? The common trait of success is not stopping. It's just yeah. going 
you know, and, and I, and I, and I, and truly as weird as it, I, I owe my mom and dad for that. I owe them because I watched them, you know, hold two jobs, three jobs. And, and that's, that's what it is. You just keep going. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. What's the best life advice you've ever gotten? Best life advice I've ever gotten. You're going to have one or two opportunities in your life, whether you know it at the time or don't know it, you're going to have one or two opportunities to make a judgment call that will change the rest of your life. Know when that know exactly when that opportunity is in front of you know exactly when it's there. I had somebody tell me that like 25 years ago and I'm like, <laughs> whatever, but I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen for you. I've, I, I know the instance, I know the instance in your life in, in, you know, you've had different opportunities. You've had, you've had multiple opportunities, but it's, it's the person that said that to me said every single one of us whether you're 18 years old or 35 years old or 45 years old, know when that opportunity's in front of you and don't be scared to gamble and go, let's go, let's go do that. Um, and and I, what's weird, I talked, to, I talked to Seth a little bit about that exact thing last week when we were alone in a parking lot. Know when that opportunity is in front of you and pounce on it. Do you identify those moments in your life or is that something that you can't, because I love how you, you give great analogies and then you always like throw it off to me. You're always like, then you'll bring it back to my experiences. Well, I'm, I'm asking you, do you identify those moments or do you think that's something that you can't identify until you're in retrospect or you have to identify it as it happens? You, you, you have to identify it as it happens. I think, you know, one of the, one of the times, um, one of the times would have been when I almost didn't take a television job because I liked fishing tournaments and selling boats, dude. I just, that, that was an easy one, but there was another time when there was this big, you know, ESPN Outdoors was getting they're they're getting rid of of the outdoor programming except for the Bassmasters, and it left a lot of the fishing shows like whoa, or the hunting shows like whoa. It, it's knowing when that opportunity is right there to gamble to, and really that's a lot of what that situation was. It, it was a gamble to to take ownership uh, of my show, and 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 there's little things like that. The other other times are, are a lot smaller, but those were two big pivotal turning points, at least at least in my life. You know, it's knowing Dave, you, I'll throw it back at you. Yours was sitting at a bar with me in Birmingham. Yeah, that that it was factual. That was a massive, massive turning point in your life. It's knowing when a lot of them are no brainers where you're like, <laughs> heck, man, I'm doing that. Yeah. Um, but, but some of them are not as, if it makes sense, some of them are not as identifiable that, you know, knowing when to, to, to gamble a little bit and pounce and never look back there. The, the, we all have, and what's funny is I, I know you have people listening to this. They're like, 
yeah, I remember that one time that I did that. Or, or I remember that time that I didn't go after something, that I did not do that. It's also being able to identify, look, man, I can, I can name you a list of screw up and jack ups that I've done uh, from, from, a, from a success or failure standpoint in business. But I also look back on it now that if I would have done that, I'm not doing this, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very big believer in that, that truly everything does. You are where you're meant to be and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, it's kept me sane through a lot of delayed flights and things like that. You are where you're meant to be. Um, right. it, it, but I do think, like, if you look at the way things the way we started off this conversation talking about the, you know, the change in the sport. I mean, that, that was one of those moments that it, at the time you probably thought, Oh my, how is like everybody went through different emotions in that, but in retrospect, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it was an emotional roller coaster is what I'm saying. I remember Ronnie, I remember Ronnie, uh, you know, R Ronnie had just come into to the, to the fold, to the, uh -huh. to the mix. And he was so, you know, he's so Ronnie, you know, he's, Ronnie wants to, Ronnie wants to do something live broadcast wise. I would say 28 to 37 hours a day. Is that yeah. fair? Right. I'd say, at least. And I remember, I remember all the conversations when that whole split happened and, and Ronnie called and, and he was, he was a, a somber puppy and he's like, Hey, is this all going to work? And I was like, I was like, heck yeah, man, we're fine. Not, not knowing, totally not knowing, you know, where any of it would end up all the way to now. But here's the thing. It did. It did work. And, you know, it, it was a, that was a very, very dynamic emotional time <laughs> for every human being that, that you and I hang with, but it was great. It, Looking at it now is fantastic, to be honest with you. So uh, I do remember that call with Ronnie because I, I could tell he was starting to cry and it was starting to make me cry. I mean, I'm like Lee Livesey. I'm a crier. <laughs> I'm actually not at all. Oh, no. Yeah, I've seen you cry. I mean, you, you, you late night crier. Late. Well, yeah, duh, that doesn't count. <laughs> what moments stand out for you for this past season? I mean, it was a, it, to me, it was. I find since all this COVID stuff, it's insane how, I mean, we've done two back-to-back -back seasons, basically, the way the two seasons were. And and to me, my memories are even harder now just because I feel like so much has been thrown at us, not just bass fishing world, but just everything we're all dealing with. But what moments stand out from you this year as as the moments? The the obvious, and this is, and I'm, I'm listen, you know I do not watch weigh-ins, Dave. You know I do not watch weigh-ins. I watched him this year just so I could listen to you and Taku on stage. I think I watched every single day that that guy weighed in. I thought it was some of I, that is some of the most entertaining stuff in the history of stuff. Um, Lee Livesey, that final day to that was the biggest five fish stringer that 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 I had called with Tommy. And it was so to me, it was so improbable how he did it. And, and yeah. what was funny was, look, man, you get a lot of anglers that are like, man, I'm going for broke tomorrow. We're, we're home run swinging. I'm swinging. He made the comment the day before he goes, man, I'm going out. I'm going to try to catch 35 to 40 pounds. And a lot of times you do a, <laughs> he did it. He did it. And to me, he did it with a bait 
and a technique that you are supposed to lose them. You are supposed to at least lose best case scenario, 20%. His ex, that, that was one of those days that where you're like through the morning to late morning, you're like, we're watching something very, very, very magical. Um, all the way to Hank, Hank winning the classic. Now I'm naming a bunch of stuff, but Hank winning the classic. And the reason why I say that it wasn't how he won, why he won, but it was that one of the very first times covering Hank Cherry that he was vocal with us at, at night of the champions at the classic where he's like, I'm catching him and I'm going to catch him. Hank doesn't do that. The dude does not say that. Hank is one of those people you can't put on your fantasy team because he will tell you that there's a, not a bass in every lake we fish. Okay. That, that's why I thought that that was really, really cool all the way to, I think the obvious, the end of the season, what happened at the St. Lawrence with Taku winning that tournament. But most of all, most of all to, to watch the season that, and I would put this at number one, to watch the season that we got to, to cover with Seth and how he did it. A lot of people think smallmouth and electronics with Seth. Seth is a throwback fisherman, man. Like what we did last week taping, Seth is a, is a throwback largemouth, predominantly shallower water angler that, as weird as it sounds, I think the way he grew up is exactly how he won angler of the year. And that's, that's pretty awesome. It was a very awesome to watch. And it was amazing to just watch how, how confidence, I mean, that's literally a, a, the only difference in Seth fighter from when he started to today, I, I believe, you know, it what was, was your number one. What was your number one? <sighs> My number one. Uh, I, I'm going to say, I mean, Seth winning angler of the year to me was really special just because, I mean, him being one of the first guys to stay, I, I'm not going, I'm not effing leaving. <laughs> What's the exact quote? But I, I think the Takumi moments were pretty special. Like to me yeah. to go from, I don't think he gets enough credit. Like literally when me and you met him for the first time, it was in that meeting in, in Birmingham, Alabama, 90% of his communication was done through his wife. I mean, she yes. was, it was like a UFC interview. Like I literally, like it wasn't even, he didn't have broken English. And I literally left that meeting feeling like, man, I'm going to have a hard time with him. Yes. I'm really going to have a, and now to watch him literally command that like the, everybody in Waddington wanted him to win it, you know, right. except for Corey Johnston, really, right. and Chris. But uh, it, it it was amazing. So I, I think there was a lot of uh, amazing moments throughout the year. And and I always hate that question. I don't even know why I asked you. It's not really fair because I feel I'll, like. I'll throw, I'll throw one back. I'll throw one back because we talked about it. And a lot of times when the classic's going on, it's chaos. And there's and there's a there's a gazillion things going on. Everybody, we're all, it's the, it's the one tournament of the year we're all with each other, but we're going 9 million different yeah. directions the, I'll never forget. And I missed, of course, I missed the, the, the dinner we were all having, but I remember sitting with you and Tommy and we were all, I remember going, is anybody coming to this thing? <laughs> right? Like, like it, it, it reminded you of your party you're having, uh, you know, back in the day where you're like, 
is anybody coming to my, my party? And like, when you get the first knock at the door, you're like, yeah, okay, came. come on in. <laughs> right. and, and I remember the first day you're, you were out at the lake, you were out at the lake and they opened the doors to the expo. And I'm like, they're all here. <laughs> yeah. Felt good. Felt good. It's true. We all suffer from that. I think we were all feel like that. Nobody's ever going to show up every single year. I mean, every year. Um, it, it, and I it, just come to think of it. I'm thinking about like, I literally text you guys every year, like after takeoff on day one, if you look back every morning of the yes. classic, I'm always like, Great takeoff crowd this morning, guys. They're coming, guys. Right? They are coming. We are okay. We are safe. <laughs> Which is a blessing and a curse because, you know, I'm genuinely terrified of crowds. But at the same time, this year, I was like, wow, <laughs> you're here. <laughs> Another moment for me, though, that nobody got to see that I thought was cool for, for me personally. Gussie's win. Um, I never get to see the anglers before they weigh in. Generally, you know, for the most part, they come and I'm on the stage by that point. Well, he came in a little early and the way it was set up with minimal crowds and stuff like that, we got to hang out for like a half hour and just sit on his boat and talk before he had actually won, but he knew he had won. And it was honestly one of the coolest things because Gussie's another one of those situations where like, I mean, I've known him since he was a little kid, his first ever fishing seminar he did with me on a stage in Winnipeg, you know, so it, it to watch him, you know, kind of transcend and dominate that tournament was amazing, but every Every single one of those. I mean, that that's yes. what makes the Elite Series amazing. I love watching. I mean, guys like the Sleepy Assassin, Austin Felix, for example. Like, some of the... Like, hey, that's another me. dude, man. That, that dude's going to go on a run in oh, the next yeah. few years. I, I will tell you, Sleepy Assassin is another one out on the water, is a absolute sniper that if you also watch his body of work um you know he comes across as a whole hum hey no big no 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 if you watch his versatility uh, you know that's somebody you're going to see go on an angler of the year run no doubt about it yeah no he's he's amazing but i and i forget what he even did but it was the last event of the year and he, he made a bunch of jokes on stage and stuff and i'm like this is a guy who has spent that's what people forget about people like him. Before the classic, he had spent zero time in front of a live audience. You know what right. I mean? He won. Right. So to watch guys evolve and and get connections with the crowd, I mean that that to me is is kind of the gift that keeps on giving. Z Train, you are the gift that keeps on giving. Last question, and I will leave you alone. Yes. Give me your Mount Rushmore, and there's no wrong answer. Mount Rushmore of professional bass fishing. How so? Because that that's very complex. Would well, you j just give me give me four four people or why well, you don't have to limit it to four? Oh yeah 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 yeah. I, I you can also say next question if you don't want. No to no I I will and and I, I think it's somebody and, and this is not a, I'm not putting an apple I'm not putting an apple on the teacher's desk. Okay, I'm not doing that. A lot of people don't know the reason that they watch live coverage is Mike McKinnis. He's the one that that looked at all of us years ago and he's like, hey, we're doing this. And I'm like, hey, let's not do that. Let's never do that. <laughs> Remember that um, morning? <laughs> no, I would I would put I, I would for sure put Mike McKinnis there. The other one, and this is more from a unique standpoint, 
Um, I would put Aaron Martins just because I've never in my entire lifetime on earth, I've never covered somebody like Aaron and I never will again. I, I never will cover somebody that totally, not totally, but for the most part, totally ignored what everybody else did. I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I, I will always put, I will always put Kevin up in the Mount Rushmore for what he did, where he grew up. Most of all, um, he was Iconelli. He's an outlier. Kevin's an outlier. Seth is possibly your next outlier from where they grew up in the country. You you didn't see titles going to states like that uh, that happened. So, and I would another one I would put because I don't think he gets a lot of credit because he is the most successful successful merchant you know retail store. I would put Johnny Morris for the major reason for what he's done. Look, we, we need, we need people that are protecting our behind in water and in hunting. And we don't, he really is the biggest voice for that because look, it's a very hostile time in fishing rights, in hunting rights. And, and that's not a, that's not another apple to the teacher we, we need, we need a Johnny Morris that is still out there fighting that we can hold a fishing rod or we can hold a firearm or a bow when we go into the field. Um, and I know all of those that I just named were for really different reasons, but at the same time for, for critical reasons in, in the, the, the category that, that they're in. Uh, I hope, I hope that all made sense. No, it totally made sense. And, and I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, Johnny Morris is the greatest conservationist in history. I, think. It, 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 I, I told him something. I, 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 I admitted to him once. I hate to say it, but, you know, you've been to those dinners where you go to a conservation dinner and it's a three to four hour, you know, people are getting up and talking. And I'm not going to lie, man, 15 years ago, I'm a kid. I don't even know what that word, word means. I don't know what the word conservation mean. I have no idea. And, and you're like, all right, I'm going to go get a cocktail. I love this dinner. It's going along pretty good. Everybody's dressed up nice. And then what, what's when, when, when our rights, where I think our rights were probably the most threatened, was the last 18 months, I was like, whoa. All those dinners were for a reason. Yeah. And, and I was too stupid to listen to what the message was. I won't be that way again. I will never be that way again once you feel um, that there's people out there that are not into fishing. They're not into hunting. They're not into being outdoors. Um, that that's when that's when my eyes were were open. They're 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 wide open now to it. Yeah, and the, and the tireless work, the relentlessness that you talked about, because that it's anglers are very good at, at angling and enjoying the outdoors, but yes. without people like Johnny Morris that that t literally tirelessly work, and everybody wants to you know look at his money and his success, but he's using that. You Absolutely. know, positive. I have battled a fly the whole way through this freaking. It's interview. that time of year. It's that time of year. 
It but really is. Look, look, you could be a Johnny Morris and be like, I'm going to buy, I'm going to go hang out and buy an island, man. Right? I'm going to catch some bonefish. Y'all have fun. That, that guy has not done that. He has not done that. He has stayed in the mix. Kind of goes back to the word relentless, you know, to where you're like, man, thanks for doing that. Because if you really think about it, we don't have a lot of people that do that and fight, fight for, for our rights to fish and hunt. And that's, that's huge, man. That's to me, that's the biggest. It is huge. It is. It's, it's everything. And without it, we're nothing. Um, so I'm thankful for them. But, but speaking of everything, I told you it was the last question, but I did say, I would ask you about this early in the interview. So Leave me with a little bait shop goodness. I mean, that, that was one of those moments in your life where you had to feel like this, this is the turning point, right? Those turning points you talked about, right? Bait shop, the call came. Let me give you a little, can I pull the, I love to pull the cur- curtain back Please. real quick. I, is, is that was set up from somebody that is no longer with ESPN uh, in evildoer is what I would call that. <laughs> and, and I had to go to that and I'll never, a, a couple different things is, uh, they they had me they had me as one of the MCs in the movie. Yeah, and I walked up to the producer that you would have thought looking at him he had a produce he sat in a producer chair, clipboard, and I walked up to him and I said, "Hey man, um, I'm Mark Zona, and I don't know how realistic you're wanting this movie to be, but the role you have me in the movie is actually not what I do." And he goes, "Oh, well that would be good." Um, if I actually wanted to know that. <laughs> right? And I left. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> I left. I left. Got in a vehicle. I was like, screw you, bud. Got in a vehicle. Gone. Heading down the road. Phone rings. It's the, the I don't know, a grip or what? A, a, a key grip or whatever. This girl calls me. She's like, hey, Mr. Zona, you're needed at the set. I said, I'm gone. I'm not doing this. She's like, well, that doesn't work. You need to get back to the set. I'm like, no, I've left. She's like, well, you're going to have to do voiceover when you get home. I'm like, I'm not doing it. She's like, well, we'll give you 800 bucks a day. I'm like, hell yes, I will do that. (laughs) So the only other one I will give you from bait shop is, is Mike Golick unnecessary name drop. It was like three 30 AM a half a year ago. And I get a text, I get a text on the phone and it said, bait shop, period, period, period. We all make bad career decisions. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's all I got. It's all perspective, my friend. I'll be honest. If I was in bait shop, I would literally, it would, what I'd lead with. Formerly from bait shop. Dave, I don't want this to sound the wrong way. I had a very small role in that, and it was it was good. What I call fun money. If they do bait shop part two, I'm not walking out. I will be there for bait shop. Part two. <laughs> you heard it here first, bait shop part two. I mean, the rumors are swirling. A lot of people want it. And There's a lot of buzz around in. it. A, a lot, lot of, of people would think Step Brothers part two. No, bait shop part two. It's it's big, and there's buzz. It's swelling. <laughs> Swelling. That's, yeah. that's a great way to leave it. This, this, 
This has been a swelling podcast. Z Train, thank you very much for spending a little time with me here. You are awesome. I can't thank you enough for everything you do. Not just that you've done for me and do for me all the time, but you do for our sport. You really are. You you throw Johnny Morris and people like that on a high shelf, but I'm going to tell you, you, you reside in that same shelf. It's amazing what you do in our sport, and thank you for being you. Thank you, Dave. Love you. Tell the family hi. Zona is the best. I could listen to him talk all day. Thank you very much for being part of our show this week, Z. And thank all of you for tuning in week after week. I honestly, truly appreciate the incredible support that this show gets week after week. And this week, we want to start something new. And what we're going to do is we're going to have the question of the week. And I already asked it to Z. Will professional bass fishing or fishing be part of the Olympics at any point in the future? Let me know your thoughts. And um, thank you. Thanks for watching. And and I can only promise you the same thing I promised you from the start is uh, I'll, I'll see you next time. And on your way out the door, if you've enjoyed this, please make sure to hit the like button. I'll see you next week. I'm going freaking fishing. Enough talking about this crap. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?